you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And we're going to be starting in about verse 23. And while you're turning there, I just want to start by a couple of illustrations to help make the point here today. Um, have you ever played like a board game with a kid? And then as you're playing, the rules start to change. Okay? And, and to some degree, there's maybe more rules on top of like the actual manual. Like if you got the manual, you're like, no, it doesn't say that. We keep adding these things in here. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We're adding rules in here that almost become a little bit cumbersome when we're trying to play the game. Take it another level since we're in football season. Have you ever heard of the um, rule, roughing the passer? Okay. They have gone above and beyond for guys like Tom Brady, have they not? Like, now I saw a meme the other day that um, the ref was saying, roughing the passer, the defensive lineman did not put a pillow down on the ground for, t- for Tom Brady to fall onto it, right? Or that it's roughing the passer now, the, the lineman looked at him just a little bit funny. You can't do that, right? We, and it, it takes the fun out of the game, okay? How many people are with me on that? Am I the only? Okay, look, at, I thought this would register with people, and it has. Now when you watch a game today, You'll remember this message when you see the darn roughing the passer penalty, and you're like, that wasn't roughing the passer. But they've added all these rules into this, and now defensive linemen have to play patty cake. They're not playing football anymore. So now you're with me. We're adding rules, and it's not what it used to be. Okay? There are some points of conflict here that Jesus is having with these religious leaders. Okay, And we've walked through several of them, and I'll just kind of bullet point these based on the passages we've gone through. So chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, Jesus talked about forgiveness. Okay, And there was some conflict there because Jesus said to the man, your sins are forgiven. And these religious leaders are going, whoa, you can't do that, pal. You're just a man, and, and we know that Jesus is not just a man. He's the Son of God, and he does have the ability to, to forgive sins. And then when he calls Matthew to follow him, then he goes and he eats in this home with all these tax collectors and sinners, and they don't like that. And there's this constant just butting the heads of these religious leaders. And then the message last week about fasting. And they had added more days to the fast. We fast on Monday. We, we fast on Thursday. Why aren't you fasting like we're fasting? And there's this conflict. Well, today we're going to look at two conflicts that take place regarding the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day that God has created. Okay? And in the midst of this, it ends with these religious leaders plotting to kill Jesus because they've had enough of this guy. So you see the conflict rise. And so before we get into this, I do think it's important to just walk through the principle of the Sabbath. Sabbath means to cease or to rest. This Sabbath principle is a concept of a God-given day of rest that was established before the Jewish law. This is something that God has created. 
Jesus never canceled or eliminated the principle of the day of rest. He only condemned the extreme misuse of it, which we'll see here in a moment. There's still spiritual purpose of a day of rest for us today. And the Sabbath was a sign of the Israelites' devotion to God's covenant. And it was set apart by God as a holy day. That means set apart and it's reserved for Him And the Sabbath can be seen as God's commitment to His people and that He will carry out His purposes for them and that He is constantly able to meet their needs. And then this last point here is, for all of us today, Sabbath rest begins at the cross of Jesus Christ. We'll unpack that a little bit more later. But before we get into Mark chapter 2, I want to read some of these passages in regards to the principle of the Sabbath. And so now that we're getting into the Word of God, can we take a moment here this morning and just pray and ask the Lord to speak into our hearts. Would you join me here in prayer? Father, I thank you for this time together in your Word. I thank you, Lord, that you guide us and you lead us through your instructions. As we talk about the Sabbath today, I pray that, Lord, you would bless this time. Part of this message is regarding the principle of the Sabbath, but the other part of the message is recognizing that we can throw all kinds of burdens on that and be about the religious rules. You're about relationship. So help us to dial into that, that you would speak to our hearts and we would respond to you. And we thank you for this time. Bless the children as they're going through their ministries right now. We thank you for our children's ministry team. We ask a blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I've got the passages bullet pointed here. You're welcome to go with me, but I'm going to move through them quite quickly here. But here's the Sabbath showing up at creation. Okay, in Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Because it was the day that he rested from all of his work of creation. Let me just ask you a question. Did God need to rest? No. He did not, but he did. And I think part of the reason why he did is now he's given his people an example to follow. He did not need to rest, but he established it in the order of created days. And he gives us an example. So then you have the Israelites, and you have Moses, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments. This is one of the Ten Commandments. I'm reading this now from Exodus 20. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servants, or your female servants, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who's within your gates. Then for six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. So he's going back to the example that God has set for us. And it says, therefore the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day 
and he's hallowed it. Okay? Then in Exodus 31, so 11 chapters later, we get an emphasis on the fact that the Sabbath is something that's perpetual, meaning it's just going to go on and on and on. Okay, in verse 16, it says, The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. And this is a covenant obligation for all time. It's a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and was refreshed. So again, back to the example that was set at creation. So go to the New Testament. Jesus never said it no longer, but there is a component of Sabbath rest in the New Testament that is found in Christ himself. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about entering into God's rest that is here and now. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. So we can find rest in Christ. If you're exhausted, if you're burned out, if you're at the end of your rope, respond to God's design for you in rest. First off, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Second off, it would be finding time to rest. Okay? So here's the thing. That's God's gift to us. Here's the Sabbath. Okay? I give you the gift of Christ. I give you the gift of Sabbath. And now you have these religious leaders And they have this book with all their additional laws on top of the scriptures called the Talmud. And there's 24 chapters in this Talmud regarding the Sabbath and how to keep it. And here's some of these additional laws that the religious leaders had. You could only walk 800 meters, which is approximately 2,000 paces. If you go 1,999, you better stop. You don't want to break the religious leader's laws. You can spit on a rock. That's appropriate. Landscaping is fair game. Okay? But don't you dare spit into the dirt because that would create mortar. And that is a sign of work. Don't spit into the dirt. You cannot untie a knot. That would be too much work. Velcro shoes, y'all. Okay? If you tear your clothes, you can only use one stitch to bring them back together. And you can sew all you want on Monday, but on the Sabbath, be careful. You can't bathe because water may actually get onto the floor, which would clean it. And that's considered work. Women, you can't look at your reflection because you might be tempted to pluck the gray hair out of your head. You can only use enough ink to write two letters. And that's not full page letters. I'm saying two letters of the alphabet. Don't want to stress out your hand. If you throw something in the air, You must catch it with the same hand. 
Because if you switch to your other, that'd be too much work. These are the laws we're talking about here. Here's a good one. Don't wear false teeth. Because if they fell out and they went to the ground, then you'd have to stoop down and pick them up and that would be too much work. Please wear your false teeth. If there's an accident or some kind of injury, if it's not life-threatening, wait until the next day to address the injury. So if you got in a car accident and you dislocated your shoulder, sorry, wait till tomorrow. These are some of the rules out of 24 chapters of this keeping the Sabbath. Some rabbis actually believed that humans were created in order to keep the Sabbath. The people actually had to work very hard in order to keep the Sabbath. The irony in that. The Sabbath is a gift that's given to you and me from wearing out, and these regulations were no gift, and in fact, they were wearing people out. So that is the setting that we enter into here with Mark chapter 2. Jesus begins to do some things with his disciples on the Sabbath, and these religious leaders who have all these man-made laws get upset about it. Okay, Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Well, Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read the Scriptures, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. And he also gave to some of his companions. And then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Then to chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Well, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. And since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, he said, Come and stand in front of everyone. And then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Before we go on, just to note, these men who supported Herod, they're known as Herodians. And the Herodians and the Pharisees did not get along. 
but they've now found some common ground. We both don't like Jesus. Let's focus in on that and let's find a way to take him out. So verse 7. Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples and a large crowd followed him. They came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from east of the Jordan River and even from as far north as Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide and vast numbers of people came to see him. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. He had healed many people that day. So all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, You are the Son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. Okay, we're going to stop there. A couple of the Sabbath issues here that these religious leaders are feeling that are being broken is that the disciples were harvesting grain out in a field. Okay? Well, there was permission actually in God's word for travelers that did not take enough food for them on their journey. They had permission to actually pluck enough food to satisfy your hunger from the fields that were along the roads. They were not at all harvesting they were hungry but the pharisees who took issue with this tried to point it out and they were trying to accuse jesus and his disciples the other issue they had was was this man about to die because of his withered hand no they're like can't you wait until tomorrow when our laws give you permission to, to heal. And Jesus, he brings this man out in front of the whole crowd. I think he was trying to prove a point. You can see that he was frustrated with how these Pharisees were acting. And they're the ones who are actually in sin here because they're holding their traditions and their laws on par with God's word. He was frustrated. And you think about this. For them it was a sin to help somebody if it wasn't life-threatening. And when this got over, the Pharisees and the Herodians on the Sabbath began to plot the killing of Jesus. Who's actually in the wrong here? It's these religious leaders. Let's look at Jesus' response to how he deals with these annoying people. Maybe you guys have annoying people in your life. Maybe, maybe not. But in the midst of this, this is great to see how Jesus responds to the opposition to those who are picking away at him. The very first thing he does is he cites Scripture. These are people who have memorized the Scriptures. And when they're calling him out, Jesus goes, haven't you ever read the Scripture? Like, what an insult that would have been. Ah, uh, yeah, Jesus, we memorized it, you know. 
And he goes, well, what about that time when David and his, his men had to stop and get something to eat? And it was the showbread in the temple. So he cites scripture. So how can we respond to people who are going at us for one reason or another? We respond to them with the scriptures. What do the scriptures want us to do? How does the scriptures want us to respond? Do the scriptures validate our actions or do they, are they contrary to our actions? If we're using the scripture as a way to justify our response, we should be able to find real quickly whether or not we're in the right or maybe we need to make some corrections. So we go to the scriptures. Okay, then we need to put an emphasis on the fact that Jesus is Lord. Okay, he does that. All right, and we have the verse for this week, it's two verses. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Remember earlier when I said there were rabbis who thought that there's actually humans that are just simply created for the Sabbath. They made it such a huge deal. And Jesus goes, no, that's not what it is at all. This is a gift that God has for humanity. And by the way, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another way to put this, all things were created through me for me, so that seventh day when that was established, guess what, Pharisee, I was there. And they're going, he just called himself the son of man. He thinks he's Lord. Well, he's declaring his deity. He is Lord. That's one of the points of emphasis that Mark makes in this book is that Jesus is Lord. He's the real deal. He's not just a man. There's even a point at the end of this reading here where demons are screaming out to Jesus, you are the Son of God. He's the real deal. So then you see him get upset when he brings this individual in front of the whole crowd and then he is going to heal the man. He asks a question to these Pharisees. Is it better that I uh, do good or do evil today? Kind of traps them a little bit. Like, how do you answer that? Because if I say it's good to do good, then I'm giving you permission to heal, and that breaks one of our man-made rules. And I'm not saying it's better to do evil, because that would just be wrong. And so these individuals, they don't have anything to say. And Jesus is upset, and he heals the man's hand and I appreciate this getting angry moment here from Jesus there's an appropriate anger he was tired of these men and their just overbearing rules on his children it's time to change this he disliked their uncaring attitudes and anger itself is not wrong and here's where we can take some notes from Jesus have you ever been angry before in your life okay Jesus responds by helping people and too often we can express our anger in selfish ways in harmful ways and Jesus gives us an example here you know what I'm going to just Take all this emotion and I'm going to do something good with it. Use your anger to find constructive solutions, 
not tear people down. And so I think this is a moment. The, the message today is give me a break. And you think, well, we're talking about the Sabbath. I think this was a moment where Jesus was fed up and he's like, give me a break, guys. Are you kidding me right now? And so we're just going to pause a little break here in the message. Isn't there a candy with that slogan? So I had sugar last week that I was giving out. This is my wife's favorite candy bar, so I'm going to score some points with her right there. But these are called big cats, and I think it's like these Pharisees. They were just these big cats. They thought they were the big stuff, right? And I saw these ones labeled like this in the gas station today. I'm like, I'm on these. Okay, I've got four Kit Kats. we got a couple people. You're going to have to split this one, okay? I'm not going to throw this. I don't want to hit anybody in the head, okay? Are you ready? There we go. Split that between the three of you. Three more. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Good catch. There you go. One more. Oh, I suppose. There, there you go. Give it to your wife. That's a great, great idea. I did the same. Okay, that break was brought to you by Kit Kat. <laughs> but Jesus was fed up with these people. Give me a break, guys. Your rules and your regulations are actually missing the whole point. I am here to have a relationship with people. And I created this day to be a gift to my people. And you have messed it up. And you've flipped it upside down. And he takes his anger and he, he uses it to pursue people and do ministry in their lives. You can tell that the lost, the hurting, the people who really had things going on in their life that could probably quite honestly care less about the Sabbath rules, they're just like, I'm sick and I need help. That's what they care about. And you see these crowds and crowds of people following Jesus because he cared about them and he was healing that's the love of God at work. Not this overbearing idea. What you see here by religious leaders. All these conflicts address their rules and regulations. And so here's the application for us today. Okay? Two things. The first is rest in Christ. Hey, there might be somebody listening right now that you are going through life, maybe at 100 miles an hour, or maybe you're going through things and there's the weight of the world is on you, but are you in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you enter into that rest, as I said earlier, His yoke is easy, His burden is light, and He says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you resting in Christ? If you have a relationship with Him, you're covered by His grace, but are you still finding time to rest in your relationship with Christ? This world has us doing things at 100 miles an hour. We can take time to rest in Christ. The next thing is, let's be about what God's heart is about, and that is people and rescuing people. 
I was challenged by this thought. If you come to church and you go through the motions and then throughout the week you're not involved in rescuing people, you are no better than the Pharisees. What are we doing when we leave this place? Are we now filled up to go out and minister to people? Or do we just go about our life? I think that's a, an important question for all of us to consider, myself included. What does my week look like? Am I helping to rescue people? Because God invites us to be involved in that mission. Let's be about that. So with those two things in mind, we're going to close with prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us on how each of us is to respond to this message today. Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your heart toward us. You desire a relationship with us. And you've given us this gift of the Sabbath to be able to be poured into and, and to find our rest in you, to be filled back up so that we can go out and continue to serve and love people just the way that you were doing. And so we ask, Lord, for your help in responding to this message today. Help us not to get caught up in all of the rules or get caught up in, in all of the traditions, man-made obligations, whatever it might be. Help us to focus on the fact that you are with us in relationship with us. Lord, if there's someone listening right now that they're not in Christ, they've not asked for you to come into their life and for the forgiveness of their sin, but something in today's message is drawing them into a relationship with you, the Holy Spirit is saying, Come and meet with Jesus. If that's you today and you'd like to respond by receiving Christ, just simply pray with me right now in your heart and just say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want to find my rest in you. I come to you a sinner in need of salvation. Please forgive my sin and make me new and help me to walk in your righteousness. Today I receive you by grace through faith. Thank you for this rest that comes through Jesus Christ. Lord, for all of us, Help us to do some serious evaluation of what we're doing with our time. Let us be about the business of rescuing people and not about all the religious things that we would love for people to do 
At the end of the day, they need Jesus. That's the most important thing. So help us to respond accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen.